Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. I'm sitting next to Doug Christie. We're watching some youth basketball. Some good stuff down here, Doug. Hey, I actually I seen a couple of little dudes and uh, little ladies that got a couple moves, man. A little behind the back, change of pace, change of direction. I'm just saying, hamster. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now the Kings could use a few bodies. Um, Doug, uh, let's start there. Have you have you seen a team get decimated by injuries? like what we're seeing with the Sacramento Kings team? You know, you see it from time to time. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't recollect it, but this has been, I mean, on a nightly basis. You know, the other night, Rashawn Holmes goes down. You got Bogdan. I mean, he doesn't land on anyone's foot or anything. He goes down. Marvin comes back, then goes back. Fox, the same thing. Um, it's just been one thing after another. But I, I will say to the Kings' credit, they find a way to continue to step up as individuals and as a team and compete against some teams that, whether you, you know, when they went into Denver the other night, you know, people were thinking maybe they'd get run out of the gym and it turned into a really good ball game. They, yep. they get nipped at the end and uh, then they find a way to win down in the land of the sun. So, uh, no, it, this, is, this has been uh, unusual. Yeah, I think at this point the Kings have missed, I believe that it's 73, 74 games due to injuries so far this season, and that's a high number. That is a a substantially high number, especially for a team who hasn't lost like a, a player for the rest of the year. I mean, I, like what we're going to see with Orlando where it looks like Jonathan Isaac and Alvaro Camino will both be out for the year. Um, so that's just 80-something games right there, 90 games between the two of them. Um, but the Kings have... It's been so many different players, and I think that's a, the startling thing. I mean, I think Bogdanovich, is, uh, he's missed eight games. He'll miss his ninth game uh, when the team faces the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Marvin Bagley has missed 29 out of a potential 38 games so far this season. Wow. Uh, Fox has missed, I think it's 18. It's just really tough to get any kind of flow. Um, but like what you said, Doug, they are kind of hanging tough. You know, they've won two in a row, uh, including the back-to-back, which I think that was really impressive considering that they were shorthanded again um, and considering that they went down by 21 in the third quarter. Um, Luke has relied on on some of his veterans uh, a lot, and I know a lot of fans have issues. You know, they're tired of, uh, of seeing Trevor Ariza play in major, major minutes. Uh, Corey Joseph has played a substantial amount of time. Um, you know, is there something to the the players that he's going to that makes sense to you? Because um, for me, I I do I do uh, understand why he does use Ariza and Joseph, uh, and maybe even now going forward, maybe Dwayne Dedman. I mean, I don't know why people be upset with with Trevor Ariza. That's what he was brought here to do is to back up at the small forward position. Uh, the last few years, he's played thirty plus minutes a, a, a night, and you, you had a Harrison. I thought looked a little tired. You, you put Trevor in. He's he's especially when he's knocking down the three ball. He he's been spectacular defensively. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're not going to get a lot of mistakes from him. The same thing with Corey Joe. I mean, Fox goes out. He played very very well and very good basketball and uh, backing up the other night to the level that you were able to sit buddy and bring fox in at the two guard position and really turn the water faucet off on uh, 
Booker. De- yeah, that, Devin that, Booker. Yeah, yeah, on Devin Booker that, that gave the Kings the win, in my opinion. So th- this is this is how the Kings were built. They were built to be a deep team that in, in case there was injuries, you had players to play. But even so, to keep everybody fresh so that you were playing 20 to 30 minutes a night and not having to ride a wave that, uh, you know, load management and things came into play. So I don't know what people would be upset about personally. I'm not. Yeah, I, I think it's it's funny. Fans hate it when they lose. They hate it when they play the wrong players, what they, they deem the wrong players. Um, and, and, look, with Trevor Ariza specifically, there is not another player that the Kings have on their roster that's ready to step into that role. I know someone could point out that Justin James is there, but, look, when you have other players on the court that are – still young, still making mistakes, both on the as far as turnovers and, and offensive gaps, but also defensive rotations, uh, the blow-bys, you know, all of those things that we've seen, you know, throughout the season with the, with the Kings. Um, you need veterans to come in and sort of steady the ship. And sometimes those veterans play so well that they earn more time. And sometimes it's not scoring. Sometimes it's not the things that that a lot of people want to quantify that say that you're a good basketball player or a bad basketball player sometimes it just the game goes a different way when they're in the in there and they help you win games and i think trevor Ariza, while there have been a couple of times where he's made some mistakes or he's he's missed some some big wide open shots uh nothing that he's done is you know um is is out of character for who he is as a player it's not like he's trying to do too much. He's taking wide open shots. Uh, so I'm going to give him a pass because uh, he was, Doug, he was brought here to play basketball. He was not here to be Vince Carter and and be uh, a mentor and that's it. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's 33, 34 now. He's got some, some time left in, in his game. Uh, absolutely. And uh, part of it is th- this is a development for the Kings, too, is being able to to stick and follow a game plan. And one thing that you know about Trevor, you know about uh, Rashawn Holmes, you know about um, Corey Joseph, it th- is these guys as veterans, they've been in many games where you have to be able to follow a game plan. And that's one thing that Luke Walton can definitely trust. And it, it's it's a... It's a different idea that if a guy isn't playing well, you sit down. Yeah. And and your backup comes in and they're playing well and you ride the wave. What the 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 whole object is the Kings to win. And I was really impressed with Buddy Hill cheering his teammates on. I, I, I like the fact that, listen, you might not like sitting down, but listen, sometimes you don't have it, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's, that, that's why you got teammates, and they got your back. And the whole thing was the Kings get the win, and the Kings got the win. I, I totally agree. I, I thought the, the Phoenix game was, was interesting to watch the way that it, it really played out. And, um, you know, Doug, Dwayne Dedman, uh, we've talked about this in the past, uh, but Dwayne Dedman was literally done with his team. Uh, just, you know, a, a little while ago, I think he had just uh, gone through a 14, uh, 14 out of 16 games he hadn't played at all. Right. He'd played a total of seven minutes over the two games that he did play. He was inactive uh, for the previous three games, and the Rashawn Holmes injury it opened a door. It opened the door for both Harry Giles to get his first NBA start, but also Dwayne Dedman to step on the court. And 
it wasn't always pretty. He airballed a couple of threes. Uh, he clearly had lost his his legs about midway through the fourth quarter. But I think with what watching him, it shows you that even when a guy loses his legs, even when he doesn't have the energy to to do to hit the big three or or to you know elevate and grab the the huge rebound, he still was in position the entire time. He stopped DeAndre Ayton from. Uh, continuing his barrage of, of scoring in the post. He was just positionally, like, always in the right spot, always making the right play, even if he wasn't hitting the shot. Yeah. So kudos to him. Uh, yes, I would say on, on top of that, Ham, the way to be a professional, to go about your business, to make sure that you are ready, to make sure that you're doing your workouts, you're getting your shots up, you're doing all the things. This is the funny thing about this game is injuries and different things. If you stay ready, you, your chances are you're going to get an opportunity. He got an opportunity, whether it's trade or not trade, or he's going to be here, or you wait next year to the trade deadline, where, in my opinion, he has a lot of value because of an expiring contract. Whatever the case is, good for him that he, he came in and handled his business the way that he did and was a very big positive, and the Kings got themselves a win. And he, without Make no mistake, without Dwayne Dedman the other night in his double-double, the Kings don't get that win. Yeah, I, I talked to him after practice on Thursday, and I'm like, how how are you feeling physically? He's like, man, I'm sore. Uh, and I assumed that would be the case. And people are like, look, you're a professional athlete. You're sitting around not playing for, you know, basically the last 16 games. Why are you sore? Why? Oh, boy. Why did you lose your legs? Come on. And it's – you know the game of basketball playing in a in a pickup game or a three on three game or in practice it just does not simulate the the game you know playing full court basketball like what we uh you know what a normal game is i mean he played 32 minutes right. i would be exhausted you know, it, it only takes a the, the high level athletes. It only takes you to a 24 hour or 48 hours to start to get out of shape. You you will f start to feel it out there on the floor. You sit and don't do anything for for two days. When you hit that floor again, you're, you're going to feel it. That doesn't but, bode well for me, Doug. Uh, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I'm, I'm just I'm just telling you from experience. Not to mention in that same amount of time, like he, he hasn't played. You can lift weights. You can stretch. You can do all the different things your body is going to feel it in a huge way and that's exactly what happened I'm sure he, he is sore but uh, the soreness is is well deserved because he played a hell of a ball game yeah I thought he did too um, now it's funny we talk about professionalism right and his ability to stay ready and stay engaged know the game plan um, but at the same time how do you how do you kind of balance that with a guy going to the media and demanding a trade because uh, for me, that's it's sort of not that's not professional. No, it, it, it is not. But what you do is you learn from your experiences. Right. And that's that's part of going through, I think, what Dwayne has went through this year. Uh, I would say that coming into this season, the big contract comes in and, and probably now having expectations put 
put pressure and he was not making shots in, in, a, in a way. Well, n then you, you get sat down, you're not happy, and you go to the media and you say that as opposed to maybe dealing with it in a, in a different manner. And then you go from that to being totally out of the lineup and inactive a couple times, fined by the league. But instead of pouting and saying, you know, for, forget this, uh, you know, I, I got my money, he stayed in the gym. He stayed working on his shot. He stayed doing the things, making sure that he was still coming out before the game and, and at the same time doing all the stuff that he was supposed to do. So that is the professionalism. An unprofessional situation causes him to learn from it and be a professional, and it was really, really good to see. Yeah, you know, it's funny. His teammates didn't seem to really worry about all the outside stuff, and uh, sort of like I, I've done some kind of poking around with Dwayne, and and I know he had some life changes this summer. Uh, you know, they, uh, he had a baby. I think he got married. Um, just some things that uh, maybe took his mind off of the game of basketball a little bit. And then when he got to Sacramento, um, there's a big difference, Doug, between being a guy who makes, you know, $6 million a year and, uh, you know, you bounce around a bunch and, you know, you've kind of made your way through the league as, as a journeyman and then all of a sudden signing a three-year, $40 million deal. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, the fans turned on him so fast. Uh, and, and rightly so, he did not play at all. Uh, he did not play well at all early on. Um, but I think that added to his pressure that he was putting on himself. Um, I think that uh, the $40 million contract added a bunch of pressure to him, just life changes. And, you know, it's possible that he needed a reboot, and it's possible that he will recover from this and actually become a viable member of the rotation from here on out the rest of the season. Maybe he sticks around and plays next season in Sacramento. Maybe he is the guy that you thought he was, and he can fill in next to Marvin Bagley. He, he surely was the other night. Yeah, he was. And and when I went back and looked at video and all that, the 37% from the three-point line, you're watching him knock down shots. And I, I would agree with you, with, with a larger contract and a lot of different things that can go on in a person's life, things can get, get a little bit haywire. And, and you're right, sometimes you can need a reboot. But that's why I was really impressed and really happy for him. But I was also happy for the team because you're right, a lot of times we as teammates, we don't put the same onus on stuff that the outside puts on it because it looks like a bigger thing and with Twitter and all these different things. But, you know, in the locker room, we're just about the grind. We're about working on our game. We're about getting better as a team. And, you know, you in practice, he has your back. He's getting after. It's all the handshakes and all the, the hugs and everything. That doesn't change. So it's it's really good to, to, you know, and if you watch the guys on the bench, they were excited for him. They were supporting him when he made a shot. They were. That's all really good good stuff and it's healthy stuff for a locker room yeah I think so too and he wasn't the only one that kind of had that night uh, we're seeing Harry Giles start to put up numbers um, you know the one thing I'll point out too is Giles got his first start and you know he's 21 years old uh, there's it's been a rough a rough offseason slash season for him and you know I think he sat for 15 straight games he sat eight to start the season um, now it looks like he's in the rotation, at least for right now, but, you know, players are getting healthy, and who knows what that means going forward. Um, but for Harry, there were two things that stuck out in that game. Uh, number one, he didn't turn the ball over uh, until I, I think he had one turnover late in the game. Yep. And then number two, he didn't foul anybody. Right. 
Uh, and look, the Kings needed him to play minutes. They had no idea that Dwayne Dedman could step in and play 32 minutes. Right. So he came in and he played a different style of basketball than sure he's he used. did. And so I talked to him and I said, you know, did playing that way, did it change things for you? And he said, yeah, he felt like it hurt his aggression a little bit. You know, knowing that he might need to play 30 minutes, uh, he might need to play more than that. Uh, he wasn't as aggressive and it hurt him on the defensive end of the, of the ball, uh, of the court. Um, so I thought that that was interesting that he realized that, look, I can't be the guy who goes out here and yells and screams and gets in a bunch of trouble. Uh, I've got to be the guy that is stable and can play minutes for this team tonight. And I, I think that shows some maturation in Harry Giles that, uh, I hope we get to see carrying forward. Well, that, that is exactly how you learn. You, you, you don't learn that you can play a different way until a lot of times, unfortunately, you're forced to play a different way. Sometimes that's through injury. Sometimes it's through a situation like that was created. Or many times I was doing the game with Grant, and I pointed out, look at this. Harry's standing there with his hand straight up. He's not leaning in. He's not swatting at the basketball. And guess what? Sometimes that is exactly what you do. You, a guy gets you in a bad – these guys are really good. You're not going to stop someone every single time. So sometimes you just put your hand up, contest the shot, live with the result, grab the rebound, or get it out of bounds and go the other way. And that's how you learn. And I, I would agree with you. I think that he's learned from that. And hopefully he learns when we do get a full uh, roster back, he learns how to implement that into his game. And because that part is needed. You, you don't get into foul trouble even when we have a full cast of uh, of characters as a team. Just learn how to play without fouling. Learn how to not always hit the home run pass and just make the quality good pass that is in front of you. Yeah, and the game before, I thought he was brilliant in the first half. He made some incredible passes on back cuts. Um, I, you know, his ability to pass from the high post is, is I mean, clearly he's the best on the team at it, uh, but he's also a guy who... I, I don't know that there are a lot of bigs in the league that can do what he does. And uh, then we saw the ugly side of it in the second half. He got loose with the ball. He turned. I think he had four turnovers. He was just forcing that same cut that was working so well. And so he needs to be able to make adjustments. And I think you know, learning how to make adjustments as a starter uh, is one thing. And learning how to make adjustments like in-game is another thing. He's just young. He needs more experience. I, I still don't think he's hit the 82 game mark in his career. I don't think he's played a full season of NBA basketball. Um, and he's going to take a, a while to, to kind of figure everything out, but man, he's talented, Doug. Oh, he, he is. I, I said at the beginning of the season, uh, on, on Grant's radio show, when we were talking about, I think he fits Luke Walton's offense perfectly because Luke's Wal Luke Walton's offense is similar to what is in Golden State with when they had Andrew Bogut at the high post and guys cutting and moving and, and screening for each other. The, the thing is, as you mentioned the second half with Harry, Harry has to learn when it's there and when it's not there. These guys are so good. Once you hit a guy with a backdoor cut, 
chances are good you're probably not going to hit them again with the backdoor cut. Now you may get it on the other side against a different player, but now it's a pass fake and a shot, and then a then a pass fake and a pump fake and put it on the deck. And the game continues to evolve. These the players are too good. They understand the game at such a high level and they learn very, very quickly. So you're not going to get three back or you might against a really bad team, but you're not going to get three back doors against the same guy. You get it when you can. When it's not there, move to basketball and live to, to play another day. That I, I would agree completely. And I think he adds a different element to this team. Um, clearly, when the Kings don't have De'Aaron Fox and Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, both, because you need, you know, De'Aaron has to take some breathers. Those are your two creators. They're right. the, the guys who set other teammates up. Yes. Who make the game look easier. And I think Harry Giles can be that. And he has proven very quickly that he can be that facilitator when you don't have a Bogdan. When so, so imagine just what you said. Imagine... De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, and Buddy Hill. Yep. So Marvin's getting alley-oops and getting out on the break. Harry Giles is creating for everybody. High-low passes to him. Buddy Hill's able to spot up. De'Aaron Fox able to get out into the open court. You kick it out to Bogdan. If the shot's not there, he's able to put it on the floor. I think this is ultimate vision, but we're getting it in pieces and spotty as opposed to a heavy dose, and that's what we were hoping as Kings fans uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, clearly you're getting in spotty doses because of the injuries. Yes. And, and I mean, I, that, I think the worst part about the injuries for me, Doug, is that we're almost halfway through the season and we have no idea who this team is. Um, yeah. They're they're still in the playoff chase. I think they're a game and a half out last time I looked. That's scary. Uh, it is scary because they they are like 15 and, and 23. Yep. Uh, they're eight games under 500. But in they're, the Western Conference, imagine and, that. Yeah, and they're right there, though. And yeah. so, But the problem is like we were kind of supposed to know who this team was by the end of the season. And if you know who they are, yep. then then you can plan accordingly. You know right. what you're going to do with plug the draft pick. Yep. Yeah, you know what you're going to do with with uh, the free extension. Agency. Yeah, yep. free agency, but also the extension, De'Aaron Fox. Whether you're going to match any offer to to Bogdan Bogdanovich as a restrictive free agent, these are all things that that you probably should know coming out of this season. And barring a miraculous recovery by everyone, and then some sort of kismet that helps his team stay healthy uh i'm not sure that we're gonna know and i think that puts vlade divots in a very awkward position when it comes to who and what he adds uh during free agency during draft during everything who he extends how much money he spends on this player uh whether he's willing to move this player it does really put this team in a in a bad spot and that's even if they do make the playoffs i mean and i'm not saying they're going to i'm saying even if they do like you might not still know what you have here and and what you're trying to build. I think you make valid points, and it's unfortunate, but this is the nature of the business, and and that's why you get paid the big bucks to figure it out. One thing that I do know is high IQ players are going to be something that that you probably want to take a look at. It's easy for them to fit in in different things, and uh, ultimately what, what has to happen is the players here have to continue to develop, and 
Marvin Bagley is not going to improve at the rate that you want him to unless he's healthy and he gets out on the floor and he plays and he, and he loses and he learns and he makes mistakes. And, you know, yeah, do you learn from positivity? Yeah, you do. But uh, a lot of times you learn from the mistakes faster and, and better than you learn from knocking down a jump shot or not turning the ball over. Uh, so, and there's no, you know, you can't create an environment in practice or anything he's got to be out there on the floor so you're hoping as you said that the Kings can get healthy quickly and find out exactly who they are with some players Bogdan I think you know what Bogdan is yeah I think you know what he brings to the game uh, but with with Marvin uh, that that's a, a different animal because uh, he is as talented as they come but uh, he's got to be healthy to, to put it all together that's true that's true um, all right Doug uh, we don't have a lot of time today, but, uh, you know, the Kings are are in a stretch of games here where, you know, uh, of course, the Milwaukee game on Friday night is going to oh, be Oh, that should be easy. That should be easy, yeah, shorthanded. <laughs> uh, but they've still got a shot here. If you're Vlade, yeah. how aggressive are you between now and February 6th, the trade deadline? I, I think that you're looking to improve your team, and if something comes along without – you know, obviously mortgaging anything. Uh, Vladi's, in, in my opinion, opinion as far as cap space and different stuff like that, they're in a healthy position. So do you look? I, I, I think, yeah. I think I would like to see this streak of non-playoff uh, appearances stopped. And if you are able to make that happen by some creative way, you, you at least are picking up the phone and you're open. And I think that you, to be honest, you, you have to always be doing that. I mean, when we were really good here, uh, you know, we got Jimmy Jackson, we got Anthony Peeler, and we got Keon Clark. And you were always trying to add pieces to what it was that you that you had. You had a core that you built around. And from that core, you start adding pieces and see how things go. Yeah. Well, I think the Kings have a core, uh, at least I think. Um, I think we're still trying to decide who everybody is in that core. Yes. Um, and I think youth will do that. Yeah. Uh, certainly, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes. Um, but then I'm also going to throw in one more name as we're we're closing up here, and that's Rashawn Holmes. Oh boy. Uh, my goodness, talk about just a find and a half. Yeah. Um, he's going to miss a little bit of time here with a shoulder strain, but uh, it, it's not. He knows who he is on on the offensive end and on the defensive end he's been so much better than I think anyone could have even expected and if you can get the players around him to figure out everything and start you know playing within themselves mm -hmm. uh then we're gonna I, I think you're gonna see him even get better oh and, yeah yeah I think it's it's really remarkable um uh, that you know Devots and his group were able to find uh were able to find Rashawn Holmes and I you know it's funny uh, Buddy Hill takes credit for that. He says that that's his guy, and he he kept telling Vlade to sign him. Uh, oh, no, Vlade was watching the telecast when we played the Suns, yeah. and you can totally tell that that was me and Grant all day long. Are you joking me? I was <laughs> like, who is this Rashawn Holmes kid? I love him. And when we signed him, I was all in, baby. Come on. You were all in. You were all in. <laughs> all right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the uh, Purple Talk podcast. We will be back soon. Uh, we're going to start mixing things up. We do have, uh, we did do a podcast last week. You guys just don't get to hear it yet. Not yet. Uh, that will be De'Aaron Fox. Oh, is boy. The king, of, the king of the day this month. Um, but that won't be till later in the month. So we have him. 
Uh, we got a little Rico Hines. We got all kinds of good stuff here. Um, but sometimes that means that we record a podcast that we don't get to release. And so apologies for not having a pod last week, but uh, we will do our best to, if nothing else, me and Doug will sit down, uh, watch youth basketball, and riff about hoops. Hey, they're shooting it at a high clip right now. I've seen a floater on one end, two threes on the other end. Sign them up, Ham. Yeah, I'm waiting for a 40-footer like Nemanja Bielitsa. Uh, well, here it goes. Nope. nope. Just a bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Purple Talk. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys very soon. Go Kings!